welcome to hey great shot this is the great shot podcast a cracked rackets and tennis channel podcast network production my name is alex gruskin Hopefully all of you listeners have been enjoying our new daily segment here on the Great Shot Podcast, our ace of the day, brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Of course, there is so much action going on on a day-by-day, hour-by-hour basis in the tennis world. Uh, We want to take advantage of that action, and all of you listeners can take advantage of it as well by signing on with our friends at DraftKings. Of course, we here at Cracked Rackets know our listeners are the most well-informed, the best educated fans in the business. Might as well take advantage of that knowledge, right? And here's how you can do it. You create your DraftKings Sportsbook account and make a deposit. DraftKings is going to match that first deposit at 20% up to $500. You're also from there, obviously, going to want to make your first bet. And, you know, we promise here at Crack Rackets, we're going to up our game. It's only going to get better and better. That was week one, right? Imagine what we'll be doing in week two, week three, week four. Uh, you can make your first bet, and DraftKings will also match that with a risk-free bet of up to $500. Just go to dkng.co slash great shot. That's dkng.co slash great shot. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. You must be 21 years or older and in a participating state to take part in this offer. And again, that's dkng.co slash great shot. And it's been really fun for me to get to do those segments. Not only have I been able to focus a daily segment on world team tennis, something that's near and dear to my heart, but of course, it's fun to have a stake in the action, right? It feels that much more important to you. And if you're someone who are struggling maybe to become invested in these exhibitions across the globe or in this world team tennis season, I promise by getting in on the action with DraftKings, uh, you'll feel invested, folks. You will get that adrenaline rush back, and ultimately, that is what we all seek as sports fans. So again, dkng.co slash great shot and be sure to listen to our ace of the day podcast like great subscribe review let us know if you have any picks you want us to mention if you make a compelling case for a parlay i and i am not afraid to steal ideals folks i will certainly give you credit uh and i will say this is this person's bet but i will take advantage of that bet so feel free to message me at great shot pod on twitter of course you listeners always know uh, also know excuse me that we always appreciate the support we get here at Cracked Rackets from our friends at Midwest Sports and everyone in tennis in the tennis world knows about Midwest Sports because they've been serving as one of the world's premier online tennis suppliers for more than 30 years. Um, we are thrilled to be joined on the Great Shot podcast today by our friends from Midwest Sport, our friend, excuse me, I'm just so excited to get to the podcast, I'm stumbling over my words, but our friend from Midwest Sports, a returning champion here, something we always give a, our guests when they come back for time number three or more. Uh, Midwest Sports Product Manager Dave Limke rejoins the show, and we have a lot of fun with Dave. We actually start out on a different foot than I was intending, and I gave Dave some homework before we came to today's podcast. I said, hey, here are the subjects I'm thinking. Is this all right with you? And he's like, oh, mix it up, Alex. You know, he is always a willing participant. And so one of the things I texted him was, give me three players you are interested in seeing return to tennis when play resumes in August, because I want to start getting you listeners back in that mindset now. 
A lot of things still have to go right. A lot of things still have to be worked out before we can even hope to see our first ATP WTA ITF ball actually struck uh, on the tennis court. But, you know, I just want to start, again, loosening those screws for you listeners. Uh, just get us all back in that mindset thinking, oh, my God, is there a tennis in 2020? Elena Rybakena, am I pronouncing that last name right? Because she was so good those first two months. Or what about FAA, who seemed to sort of be making a breakthrough? And by the way, was Gael? Monfils quietly the second best player in the world through the first two months of 2020? I'm not sure. Those are all things I want to remind you listeners about. And You know, Dave and I sort of get into that conversation at the beginning. We talk about the opportunity for the next gen, what we expect from them, should tennis resume, both the men and the women. And then, of course, we talk about all the amazing products being offered at Midwest Sports. And, you know, it's summertime tennis, right? That is a different tennis than indoor tennis, than winter tennis, than early spring tennis, fall tennis, whatever it may be. I talked to Dave about how the seasonal changes, how the changes in temperature and, you know, even elevation affect what sort of equipment you should be using affect your tension. And then I ask him about the biggest trends right now, of course, as well, frame size, stringing tensions. What are players using? What are the things he are he is seeing? Uh, and then, of course, you know, there's so many great products right now available on Midwest Sports. And you know, I always like to be rocking fresh kicks when I'm on the court. And so we talk about the latest shoes and, you know, how they differ, how each is tailored to a specific type of tennis player and how it's not one size fit all when it comes to tennis shoes. And so it's a fantastic conversation conversation with Dave Lemke that I know all of you are going to enjoy. So without further ado, here is that conversation with Midwest Sports Product Manager, Dave Lemke. Joining us on the podcast today is a returning champion here on our Crack Rackets podcast. And I always say, we invite you on once, we want to hear your story. We invite you back twice, it means we liked you. You come on a third time, you absolutely are a returning champion. Of course, you know him as the product buyer, uh, our dear friend from Midwest Sports, Dave Limke. Hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, doing all right. Just uh, staying cool and uh, trying to... uh live as normal a life as we possibly can right now so <laughs> yeah no I back. Th- yeah no it feels like it's getting closer and closer with world team tennis you know now on espn cbs sports and all of these exhibitions that have been going on throughout the world it does feel like we are inching closer to the return of pro tennis and this is a loaded question i'm sure because there's a lot of things that go into it but uh, how are you feeling about pro tennis's return are you excited are you apprehensive what's going through your mind as a tennis fan yeah i mean definitely excited um you know, followed it my whole life, and uh, you know we've we've obviously been pretty heavily involved with the the tournament here in Cincinnati, Western and Southern Open for a long time, and uh, you know that'll be in New York this year. But you know, hey, at least it's going on, and, and at least that's that's the hope. So we're just kind of taking things day by day, and and you know week by week, and keeping our fingers crossed that everything stays um, as it seems to be trending with. The tournament's happening. I know uh, Washington, they had just announced that, that that's, you know, they, they couldn't figure out how to pull that off this year just quite. Uh, but then the women's event, I guess, is going to be held in Lexington. Serena Williams to play in that as it stands right now. So that's that's pretty exciting. So, yeah, and I think the public at large is just clamoring for, um, you know, pro sports in general. And I think tennis, this time of year, tennis is always a hot, a hot ticket. So, 
hopefully uh, hopefully these things do go off without a hitch. But I'm definitely excited to see Serena back out on the court. Um, Berrettini's been having a, a pretty interesting summer. He's been playing well in Europe in some of these smaller events, um, you know, knocking off some some top-ranked players. He's a top-ten guy himself, so excited to see him back out there. Uh, um, Sophia Kennan, be curious to see if she can kind of build off of how she did in Australia. I mean, young American player, and um, just hoping for some good things for this kind of next generation, you know, so we can get some of these kind of icons um, to kind of rise up as we see Fed and Rafa and, you know, and Serena and, and Maria, you know, Maria retiring. So now kind of what's that next generation look like? Um, and then Nick Kyrgios. So I just want to see, <laughs> I want to see him back out on the court just because he's been kind of a rabble rouser and kind of calling people out on social quite a bit during all the, all the coronavirus stuff. And, uh, you know, he's just always a fiery kind of entertaining guy. I know he kind of had a little dust up in Cincy last year, but, uh, man, he's got game. So he's always exciting to watch. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited to see, see, uh, the pros get back out on court. Just really, really hope that things go well here in the coming weeks. Yeah, you know, I was going to save this topic until the end, but we have opened that can of worms, so let's do this now. I asked you <laughs> to do a little bit of homework. I said, Dave, I'm going to ask you for three players you are most interested in when tennis returns watching play, and you already gave us a nice preliminary list there. And, you know, you mentioned Sophia Kennan. She has, you know, carried her success from Australia into this world team tennis season. And right, right. take it with a grain of salt. It's one set, no ad scoring up to five. But the fact that she has been this dominant that means something. I always say you notice the outliers, the stuff in between the five, you know, five, four results, the breakers, you can throw those results out. But when someone's either this good or, you know, conversely, if someone is that bad, that's something you should take notice of. And Sophia Kennan being this good, you know, that's something I think the whole tennis world has taken notice of, especially since the start of this year. You know, for us hardcore fans, I'm going to speak for you here, Dave, as well. We saw her starting to break through. You know, you can date back to her being maybe the, one of the most successful American juniors of the 21st century going back to 2012, 2013, 2014, and she has lived up to all of the hype. So I'm sure that's a person on everyone's list. But yeah, as you start to look at tennis's return, I think it's fascinating because, you know, two things I've learned during this quarantine, two of the many things I've learned, I'm not just limiting it to two. Believe me, mom, dad, if you're listening, I promise I've learned more than two things over the past five (laughs) months. Um, But in terms of two things I've noticed, A, If you criticize Novak Djokovic on Twitter, your notifications are going to west off. Give me an explosion sound effect (laughs) because it's going to sound that bad or worse. Some of the things you're going to read, like I was called a Western imperialist and I was honestly a little bit flattered. I was like, really? Like you think I could rule the world? Thank you very much. Um, But no, you know, that's one thing too. You're not going to get the vitriol in the response, but the love for Roger Federer, you know, few people have a 100% approval rating in the world right now. Roger Federer yeah. might be one of those few people who Close is just, a, a, yeah, exactly. He is adored. And so I always think it's fascinating whenever any fan of any generation, but particularly one that's, you know, an older one than mine, is excited to see the next gen breakthrough. By the way, I'm not calling you old, Dave, I promise. I, but I am. <laughs> yeah, but but for you, because we've seen, uh, and in particular in the men's game is where we're waiting for the next gen to break through between Andrescu, Osaka, Kennan, even Muguruza's 26, Lone Stevens is in that age range as well. The next generation post-Serena has already arrived on the WTA circuit. Mm-hmm. For the men's side, 
Is that the biggest storyline for you coming back is can these next-gen guys start to break through? That's always been a big storyline here for us at Cracked Rackets. Is that something you would say is similar for you? Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting because I feel like since I've really followed tennis, it's been kind of these uh, iconic generations, and then as that's kind of winding down, I mean, I grew up watching, you know, Lendl and Velander and Pat Cash and, you know, those players as they kind of faded a little bit uh, in Becker, you know, then they kind of gave way to the Sampras, the Agassi, the Courier, the Chang. Um, and then as those players kind of ran their course, then you started having Rafa and Roger and, and then Novak a little bit later. So, I mean, it's been this really consistent uh, passing of the baton since I've been an avid tennis fan, you know, since the early 80s. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see who's who's going to emerge. And it's going to be interesting right now because I feel like there's going to be, if somebody does come through and have a great run at the U.S. Open, the French Open, as they stand this year, we know these aren't typical years, but is everybody going to look at that as, you know, let's say Berrettini, if he punches through and wins the U.S. Open, I don't know, maybe it's going to be an American player, but if somebody punches through, are they going to look at that as an asterisk because, you know, maybe Novak, uh, Roger's not going to be not going to be there because he's done for the year, Rafa. If those big-name players aren't there and you win a slam now, are you then looked at as like, well, you know, you played against a, a lesser field, so we're not really going to treat you as the real next-gen. You know, I think that's going to there's going to have to be not only good results for 2020, but then you're going to have to back that up with some real results in 2021 when, again, hopefully things are fully back to, to, to the way they were and uh, everybody's back out on the court and you're playing against – a complete field. I just, I feel like right now, yes, I want to see that next gen. I do think there's some strong players out there, but I feel like they're not going to be given their fair due because people are going to look at it like, well, you didn't do that against, you know, a full field or against the top players because they weren't maybe playing a full schedule. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So a couple of follow-ups off of that one uh, to the, to the point of would there be an asterisk next to it? Couldn't you argue the exact opposite, that it's that much more impressive given the circumstances, everything that's going on, the uncertainty, the fact that you're staying in this quarantine bubble and you have to adhere to all of these strict safety and health protocols, which, you know, we continue to learn more and more about what those safety and health protocols are going to look like to to win a two-week event. And, you know, God forbid someone is taken, removed from the draw because they pe- test positive in the midst of the event. Of course, then you're talking about a whole brand new ball game. But I could argue it's that much more impressive for someone to go to New York under these circumstances, put together a two-week run like that, or if someone follows up New York by going to the French Open, upsetting Nadal on his home turf, even under these circumstances. You know, another guy who we haven't talked about, Dominic Teams. look, I, I think he's like 26 and like three during this exhibition stretch, and he was a guy who made the final of the Australian Open. It's been clear, you know, he won Indian Wells last year. He looked, And the French uh, it, does well yeah. in the French, yeah. Yeah, he's just an exceptional talent, and you know he's 26, 27. Now's his time, physical prime, mental, mentally. He's had you know six, seven, eight years on tour to really gain, you know, understand how to operate. Now, if a guy like that breaks through in this moment, 
I'm ready to treat that as any other breakthrough. Of course, it will always be the Grand Slam that was played amidst the coronavirus pandemic, but I would value it maybe even that much more that under these, you know, extraordinary circumstances, someone new was able to break through, that it didn't take the institutional know-how of a Djokovic or a Rafa to be able to maneuver a Grand Slam under these circumstances. Yeah, and I mean, I... When I say an asterisk, I wouldn't yeah. personally say I would put an asterisk no, on No, but, but I agree. All the, yeah. all the and I didn't mean to imply world. that, yes. No, no, no. Um, I think the, the collective mm-hmm. tennis world would, would maybe look at that with a little different lens. Like, well, it wasn't against the top competition. But no, from, from my standpoint, if you can win a Grand Slam tournament, more power to you. I mean, yeah, especially <laughs> having to navigate the, 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 the strange training situations and, you know, depending on which country you were in, how you were able to, you know, um, have access to, to training facilities. And, you know, I think it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see, and we don't even know what those fields are going to look like, you know, how many of the European players are going to uh, travel to the U S to play in the U S open to follow the protocols. And then if they have interest in playing the uh, that European stretch after the U S open, which is, which is no joke. I mean, it's Madrid, Rome, and then, uh, Paris. So, um, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, the players kind of parse their schedules to, to focus on the tournaments that they're most engaged with. But, um, yeah, I think any, seeing anybody that wins, we may see a new name here win these grand slam tournaments, which I'm going to, it's going to be exciting to see. And, uh, I just it's going to be interesting to see who plays which tournaments too because I it's going to be I don't know how you play all those events. I mean that's that's a that is quite a quite a lineup if you play Cincinnati which is in New York and then the US Open and the other three European tournaments they're all back to back to back. I don't I don't I don't even know how you pull that off but uh Man, if you win any of those, you're you're pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, again, we talk about the European players coming to New York. You make the decision to come play New York. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee the EU is going to let you back in. They're going to exactly. say, no, you have to quarantine I, for two weeks, yeah. and that's a legitimate concern. I, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And again, with all the, the challenges in the in the world and, and how you train and how you stay fit and how you stay match tough, I, I have no idea how you, how you do that. I mean. You can play against the best hitting partners and everything else, but it's just not—it's not quite the same as being in real match play. And nobody's had a a, a lot of that. Uh, even these smaller tournaments and exhibitions, world team tennis—you know—nothing gets you ready for a tournament like playing a bunch of tournaments. So um, it'll be interesting. Absolutely. And again, if there's any human who's going to figure out uh, the how to play every event and not miss a single match, it's Dominic Team, who doesn't miss yeah, tournaments true. ever. Uh, yeah, so that's a machine. Yeah, exactly. So that's something to monitor. We spent a lot of time talking about the men's game. On the women's side, again, every storyline. You want Osaka. You want Kennan. You want even Muguruza, who was great early this year. Ashley Barty, obviously exceptional. You have people like Simona Halep, Petra mm-hmm. Kvitova. And then, of course, looming over everything, can Serena Williams finally get slam? Is it 24? I, You know, at this point, it feels like years ago that she won. I think yeah. she definitely has 23. And so um, that's another storyline. They're, they're just the Bryans, by the way. 
planning to retire still at the end of this season. That's another thing to be on the lookout for. Uh, So there is so much great tennis on the horizon. And yeah, hopefully we will be at a place where we can see these players come back, play safely, play health, uh, maintain their own health and, uh, you know, guarantee the health uh, to the best of the ability of everyone involved in the event. And it's why when you see something like World Team Tennis announcing, I think it was all 243 or something of their tests uh, for COVID-19 at the midseason point, they all came back negative. People are adhering to the rules and it's showing that if you do that, you can maintain and you know play an event like this that is all positive now i'm gonna throw in one more tennis question to you dave and then i promise (laughs) uh you know then we'll get to you know the reason i wanted to have you here today but um you mentioned Matteo Berrettini. He has looked exceptional. And, of course, who could forget he was probably the breakthrough player of 2019. As good as Daniil Medvedev was, you know, we had seen him succeed a little bit. If a lot of people, the majority of tennis fans, probably hadn't heard of Berrettini before 2019, he wins titles on all three surfaces, makes that semifinal at the U.S. Open. But but if I take you back, you know, you think about these next-gen crew, who's won uh, Masters events? Tsitsipas, Zverev, of course, leading the way. But you forget Karen Hatchinov won the Paris Masters title. I think it was in 2018. Uh, he had looked so exceptional in doing so as well. So right now, again, heading into the 2020s, uh, this decade of tennis, both guys, I think, born 1996. So this will be their decade. Karen Hatchinov, Matteo Berrettini. Who do you think has the higher seat? I think Berrettini. I just Ooh. I watched I watched this guy play. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to Italy uh, 2019, and we watched him play in front of his home crowd. And he played Sasha Zverev, which is no tall, you know, no or no short order to play against <laughs> that guy in an early round match. And Berrettini beat him, and just the fire that he plays with, and just the power. Kashinov's got tons of that too uh there's just something about Berrettini's game maybe it's the the stereotype of the fiery Italian but he's uh, he's definitely somebody that just seems to play for a love of the game has a big game he you know he's he's interesting to watch where a lot of players I mean it's almost like they kind of tamp that down they just they kind of go about their business and they just kind of get the job done and don't always look like they're having a lot of fun Berrettini just seems like he's kind of enjoying it and just really kind of plays to the crowd. And I don't know, I just, I I have a lot of respect for players like that because a lot of them aren't like that anymore. Um, So, I mean, that's the thing I like about him. I mean, I like the hat backwards and the (laughs) optic optic yellow bracket and all that stuff. It's just, you know, he's just a, I don't know, just kind of an interesting guy. So um, Yeah, a guy who slices backhands, chips and charges, mm-hmm. gets to the net, plays big. And, you know, for both of those guys, it's so interesting because 2017, me and I have been throwing this question around to all the guests we've been having because whenever I get, you know, my mind stuck on something, I, of course, have to start asking others about that same question. Uh, you know, there's the ego coming through. Uh, but y- you look at just all of these players and Berrettini, Hatchinoff both fall into this category. Guys like Tsitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev, Hubi Hercots, uh, obviously Riley Opelka, an extreme example of this. It just does seem like in the modern game, in the 2020s, you're going to have to be somewhere between six four six and six foot six mm-hmm. yep. to succeed on the men's side. And what's so amazing about both Hatchinov and Berrettini is how fluid they are for their size as well. I just think I think Hatchinoff has the higher floor as a player. I think he can, you know, when things go wrong, he just has. Well, 
But maybe not because that serve and that forehand for Berrettini are just going to win him so many matches. A lot of cheap points. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, I, I just – I really enjoy Hatchinov's – I don't know. It's tough. I I want to take the inverse and say Hatchinov just because of the body of work, but it's hard to deny how talented it's clear Matteo Berrettini is. And, and and time will tell. I mean, with these players being the size that they are now, um, you know, you, ca- you can't help but wonder – uh, how much of the injury bug can they make sure to avoid? I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're that big, you're moving around the court, generating the torques and everything that, you know, players years ago maybe didn't quite put the strain on their bodies and they were, you know, six feet, six one. I mean, it's just it's a different game now. So, you know, hopefully everybody can, uh, can avoid injuries and stay healthy and have some good results. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. I, I feel like for all of these players, w- making sure they have the right sort of equipment, the right sort of shoes on, so they're not injuring their feet superficially, and they're just putting themselves in position to receive thing, uh, succeed. Things like recovery and nutrition and fitness that really is going to decide which of these players succeed because all of them have immense amounts of talent. It's about doing the stuff right off the court uh, that will certainly make the biggest differences. But anyways, uh, that is our tennis talk for today. I appreciate you. You, uh, entertaining me there, Dave, because I know, you know, I said three players and of course we end up doing, I think, 20 minutes uh, on, you know, tennis's <laughs> return. So always appreciate that. That's why you are a returning champion here on our Crack Rackets podcast. Sure, sure. And a- yeah, and of course, we are eternally grateful for the support you all give us over at Midwest Sports. And I know uh, you guys at Midwest Sports, it, you know, with tennis's return, there's got to be new products to feature. The things I wanted to talk to you about today in specific uh, are the shoes. Because I think this is something, if you play enough tennis, and if you're just getting involved in tennis, you buy that first pair of tennis shoes, this may not be as familiar of a topic to you. But certainly as you play more and more tennis, you know, shoe, the type of shoe you're wearing does make a difference. There are shoes that are heavier. There are shoes that offer more flexibility, all of these different things. And movement is more critical in tennis now than ever before. And I know you guys over at Midwest Sports, again, have a wide variety. I think, you know, tens of thousands of products. And I started counting them out in a promo I was doing on the other pod. And I think I got to like 100 pretty quickly. And I was like, okay, done. I, I think you've heard enough for the count. But, you know, uh, I, before we get into specific pairs of shoes, you know, it, they're not, it's not a one-size-fit-all, and I know that's very generic, but let's start there, right? Especially on a tennis court, it's essential you have a shoe that is built for your style of movement. Well, yeah, and I think first and foremost, the fact that it's uh, a shoe that's built for tennis is is it seems like an obvious point to make, but I definitely see, um, you know, one thing we've seen as a, a trend during the pandemic is uh, players that are new to the game, players that are returning to the game after having not played for a while. And, you know, maybe it's an investment thing. They're not sure how much they're going to play. And they've got a pair of, you know, uh, running shoes that they, you know, jog around the block in or whatever. And they're like, oh, okay, you know, those are gym shoes. I can, I can do whatever in these. But tennis shoes, I mean, they're uniquely built to withstand lateral movements, a side-to-side movement, where running shoes really not. Uh, you're running in a line. You're not running side-to-side. So the shoes really don't have any support um, for the movements of tennis. So buying a real shoe that is engineered to be used to play tennis in, we're huge advocates of that, obviously. That's what we sell. But I think just for your own safety and just your enjoyment of the game, you're going to be best served to have a shoe that has 
again, the appropriate stability, the appropriate support, the outsole compounds are engineered to grip a hard court surface. Uh, if you're getting that into it, you can get ones that are optimized for clay courts uh, with a different herringbone pattern on the sole and things like that. But uh, first and foremost, just having something that's structurally built to withstand the rigors of tennis um, is, is really, really important. Um, you know, having adequate cushioning, uh, breathability. I mean, those are things that you can get varying degrees of that, depending on what your tastes are, what your foot type is. Um, but again, just to get a shoe that is engineered for the purpose of playing tennis. And that doesn't mean you can really do anything else in them. I mean, personally, I pretty much wear my tennis shoes to play tennis in. Occasionally I wear them in the office, but I'm not getting on the treadmill in them. Uh, I'm not running around the block in them. I really use them for that purpose. And that's what I would probably advocate to somebody either just getting started, somebody getting back into it, or somebody that plays all the time. They probably already know that. But, um, you know, really important to have a tennis shoe to play tennis in. Seems pretty obvious, but I'll, I'll state it uh, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, you are on the record now. I uh, That'll be part of the intro the next time we have you on the pod. But, if, you know, it, it this is really stupid, and I acknowledge, and I think I may have told you this previously, and I know I'm wrong for doing so, but back in the day when I was playing, you know, in my peak of my career, when I was still training for things, I would always, whenever I was running, whenever I was doing sprints or going to the track or doing the bleachers, whatever, I'm just trying to make myself sound as tough as possible, uh, I would do it all in my my tennis shoes because I was like, these are the shoes I'm going to be running in anyways. I want to be most comfortable in these. I now know that is not what I should have been doing, but that is, you know, that's a conversation again. And to your point, when you are on the tennis court, uh, it absolutely makes a difference, uh, the sort of shoe you are wearing. And, you know, I don't want to diss a brand. I won't say the brand I used to wear. I will say I used to wear a certain brand of shoe, and then I switched to Nike shoe, and it was just a better fit for me personally. Yeah. But that's not always the case. Uh, again, there are so many different brands, and I know, again, you can find all of these brands by going to MidwestSports.com. While you're there, use our promo code CR15 because why not? You're already there. But, you know, Dave, I know you guys have a, a wide variety of shoes that uh, you guys offer. What are some of the more recent uh, add-ons, recent features you guys have on the website? Yeah, I think some of these shoes, um, you know, as much as it was, uh, if you're going to play tennis, wear a tennis shoe. If you're going to go running, wear a running shoe. In a perfect world, that's what you would do. Uh, I will say there are some shoes on the market now for tennis that are that are actually pretty comfortable. Uh, you can actually you know, stand to wear them off the tennis court. I mean, the knock on a lot of uh, true, I'm doing the air quotes, tennis shoes is that they're stiff, uh, you know, because of the rubber compounds needing to be really durable. You know, they're kind of clunky. They're kind of heavy. Um, you know, th there's definitely some truth to that for a lot of, a lot of models, but I do think uh, a lot of the footwear brands are really focused on wanting the shoes to have a really good step in feel. So that's kind of the initial you know, response you have when you put the shoe on your foot, like in the store, when you get them right out of the box, that they're really comfortable and you don't have to break them in. They don't have that big kind of clunky, chunky feel to them. Um, things like Asics has a, a new uh, rendition of their top of the line kind of overall performance shoe called the Gel Resolutions, Gel Resolution 8. It's the eighth generation of this shoe. So it's been really successful for a long time. I want to say they've made that shoe for probably 12 or 13 years. And so the latest generation of it, um, still very comfortable. The gel cushioning is still uh, kind of one of their hallmark 
cushioning stories. Those of you that have their running shoes, they use gel on a lot of their running shoes as well. So um, just great cushioning. Uh, it's very durable as well. It's got a six-month outsole guarantee on it. So if you're really hard on your shoes, drag your toes, things of that nature. It's got a six-month warranty uh, to, to guard against that. But this is one of the shoes that I think they've evolved it to a point to where it actually feels pretty comfortable, and you can actually stand to wear them off the court. Uh, you know, pretty easy to break in. Um, again, very comfortable because of the gel cushioning, decent breathability. They've made the toe box with a little more volume this time. Uh, the seven, the knock on the res seven was that it was a little a little narrow, didn't have enough uh, room up in the forefoot. So the eight definitely has a little more volume. They actually made a wider. Uh, option as well it's two e men's d for women's there's a clay cord outsole <laughs> option so there's you know it's their top of the line shoe novak shoe notwithstanding they make a really high kind of super uh specific shoe for him but for all intents and purposes the, the gel resolution eights top of the line for uh for asics line and it just it works for a lot of people and i think they've done a nice job updating it um for this year and we've we've heard good response on it great colorways um, tour players wear it, believe it or not. You have to take my word for it because they really haven't played a whole lot this year. But uh, it's a shoe Monfils wears uh, on the men's side. Um, also and, worn uh, by our very own Presley Thieneman. Okay, okay, great. I mean, a lot of people wear them, not just the pros. So <laughs> yeah, appropriate for uh, for all levels. But uh, that one's been a really nice update. Um, K-Swiss actually updated their kind of uh, the shoe that's really made them uh, more of a household name over the last five or six years. Uh, it's called the Hypercord Express. They now have the Hypercord Express 2, and the shoe's really developed a strong following for a customer, again, looking for that a little more volume in the in the forefoot. Shoe runs a little bit wider, uh, very comfortable, easy to break in, breathable upper. Um, probably not quite as durable as the Resolution, but I'm not sure that's the same player they're going for uh, with the Hyperport Express, but um, it's just a really nice update, and it's it's a shoe that, that needed an update. It had been around for probably four or five years without being changed, which is that does not happen in tennis tennis circles. Usually they're updating them every year or two. Uh, K-Swiss had such great success with the older version that they kept it around, but um, so it needed an update, and, and, and we have it, and feedback's been really good on it. Fits consistent, looks really good new colors every couple months. So um, that's a really nice one too. Um, and then, yeah, I, I got to mention Nike. Uh, I, I, I don't endorse them. I, that's where I wear myself, but they, they fit my foot really well. Uh, Rafa's latest shoe, the cage four. Again, you're going to have to take my word for it because you haven't really seen him play in it, but um, <laughs> it's, it's their kind of top of the line all around durability, cushioning, six month outsole uh, wear guarantee. Um, glove-like fit i mean it's just it's a really top of the line top-notch shoe and it's you know, they're expensive but you put it on and you're like yeah okay i see that's why it costs what it costs it's just a really really plush uh super comfortable shoe and it's another one you can stand to wear off the court um very comfortable great cushioning uh, it's got zoom air full length so very comfortable very durable just really a complete package a lot of crazy colors every season so um, yeah, those are, uh, those are three of probably the top, top of the mind, uh, updates for 2020 for new models. 
Yeah. No, and again, uh, for all of these models, you can find them on MidwestSports.com. Anytime the word plush is used on this podcast, it's a victory. Uh, so that is great to hear. And again, all there, there are more choices beyond that, too. If you are someone who sticks to your brand, you're someone who's looking at your shoes and you say, I want to stick with my Adidas or I want to stick with my New Balance, or yeah, my New Balance, my Wilson, uh, whatever it may be, you can find all of those options, I believe, on the Midwest Sports website, correct? Yes, every season, every new color, um, every iteration. Like I said, if it comes in a wider width, if it's made with a clay outsole option, uh, we will have it. So, um, yeah, we kind of uh, we kind of try to be uh, A to Z on tennis shoes because, I mean, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, kind of generically, like where people want to buy an athletic shoe. A lot of times they'll be generically called tennis shoes, but uh, – everything we carry is specifically built to play the sport of tennis. So um, tennis specific shoes, I guess would be maybe the more appropriate term, but, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we, we range the colors from, from all the best brands. So always something out there for everybody. If you could ballpark number of sessions, a shoe should be worn before it's tossed. Um, man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I think the more, expensive the shoe is the longer you're probably going to get a better result out of the shoe um just because the materials that you don't get compression set quite as quickly like the midsole doesn't break down as quickly um but the higher end shoes it, it really just i don't know that's that's a that's a tough one to that's a tough one to answer again the higher end stuff i don't think the cushioning breaks down as quickly um but a lot of it kind of comes down to the feel almost. Um, you know, I would say if you're playing a couple times a week, um, you know, you're probably going to want to at least evaluate how the shoe feels after six months. Um, because it's, it's one of those things that degrades over time. It's kind of like your strings. Even though you may not see visible signs of wear, you may not be the person that puts a big hole in the toe. Um, but that doesn't mean that the shoe's not worn out just because it doesn't have a big hole in it. Um, a lot of times we'll have people come in our store here. So we've been a you know brick and mortar retailer for uh, 30 plus years too. And, you know, people coming into the store, they'll put on a new pair of the same shoe they have on. They'll like, they're like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea how bad those other ones had gotten. And it's just because you don't realize it. it happens over time. Um, and to me, it kind of starts with your feet. I mean, if your feet don't feel good or your joints are hurting, that's kind of where it's starting from. So, the shoes are super important. I'm a shoe snob anyway, so of course I'm never going to let it get to the point where they would be worn out. I'd get another pair anyway, <laughs> but I'm the exception. I'm not the norm. So, yeah, I, I think it's something if you're playing once or twice a week, I think I'd, I'd say you need to at least be evaluating it every you know every six months um, and, and not waiting until you put a big hole in the outsole. I mean, some of the shoes I see, uh, everywhere I go, I look at people's feet, so I know who's – uh, and I don't mean that in a weird way. I just mean I'm interested in what shoes they're wearing. Um, <laughs> and you see some tennis shoes. You're like, wow, those are those came out in like 2008, and you're still wearing them. That's that's impressive. Um, but if you're really playing in them, you're doing yourself a disservice by wearing something that's that old and that tired because it's not responsive anymore. It's not really doing you any favors, um, and your body's probably going to feel it, uh, whether you're chalking it up to that or not. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big advocate of uh, keeping your feet feeling pretty good. So, 
No, if the feet give out, it's one of those things you don't realize until you're like, wow, I, I don't think I can play today. Like, I am in no. too much pain. I'm also the king of cramping in my feet. Like, it's just every time I get them, I, it's it's horrendous. My toe, if it goes too far to the left ever, the big toe on my left foot, it means it's over for me. Um, and so, yeah, and that's a product of running in my tennis shoes for years, by the way, folks. That's called reaping what you sow. Um, but, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think, uh, you know, again, it's a gift for you, much like anything else in life, a nice bottle of wine, a good steak, a new Xbox game, a new pair of tennis shoes. It's the same sort of luxury that will just make your life better, more enjoyable on a day-by-day basis. I don't know if the bottom... Uh, the bottle of wine will make your life better um but you know for some maybe it will um but anyways uh, so again all of those products can be found at midwestsports.com wanted to talk to you about two other things since we have you here today and you know again sure. it, we're we're in july it's the summer it's you know hot as hell outside um and th- hopefully in your area if it's safe if it's healthy you are able to go to public parks play on the courts nowadays and for people who have made their return to the tennis courts uh you may realize now oh my god it, it's 10 degrees 15 20 degrees warmer than when i last played and my strings are completely out of whack you know i'm sure some of that's just decay because the strings are sitting around but in general you know it, it's true that strings will run looser in the summer right the heat will loosen them up that's something people should be aware of well just in general i mean yeah. even if the racket's just sitting there it's going to lose tension whether you're playing with it or not so um I think for some people it depends on the surface they play on. Uh, I will say we'll see people that do shift to playing more on clay in the summer. Uh, the club they're at, maybe uh, that's that's what they have uh, to play on outside. And we'll see them actually lower the tension a little bit on clay. It gives you a little bit more, a uh, little more pop. Um, personal preference i'm not saying everybody does that but uh that is a trend we see a little bit like we would sell more uh regular duty balls uh to some pockets in the summer too because that's the ball you would use on clay um same with clay uh outsole patterns on tennis shoes we do sell more um clay court specific tennis shoes in the you know kind of the late spring and summer months because there are people that play just on clay and if you have that uh, kind of optimized herringbone chevron pattern on the bottom of the shoe, that gives you a little more uh, confidence on a clay surface. So um, a few trends like that. I mean, I think in terms of people being that in tune with the hotter temperatures and wanting to string tighter or looser, I don't know that I've necessarily picked up on a pattern there. Um, you know, some people, I think, they think the ball flies a little bit more when it's hotter out. I'm not sure if there's any truth to that or not, but, you know, maybe ratcheting up the tension a little bit. Uh, if you're on a fast hard court or something like that, you're looking for more control. That might be a good reason to uh, string the racket a little bit tighter. Um, but I take a lot of things with a grain of salt now because so many people use polyester strings. Um, you know, polyester inherently is a more control oriented uh, type of string anyway it's a deader feel so you don't necessarily always want to string polyester very tight because the material itself inherently makes the racket feel tight even though the tension may not be you know at 75 pounds like the good old days so um it's uh it's a little bit of a personal preference but i think the trends that i see that are seasonal tend to be more framed around like the clay court play and what people maybe adjust to um, in that regard. 
And then overgrips, obviously overgrip preferences in the summer. We sell more of the absorbent type overgrips. You know, your hands sweat a lot more, you know, when it's 100 degrees outside and humid. So, <laughs> you know, we'll sell more of the of the dry grips. Um, Turner grips, probably the most famous one. Tons of players on the tour use that, the blue grip. Um, we sell a lot of that year round, but we sell more of it in the summer when people's hands are, are, uh, are sweaty and they're looking for that absorbency. So, um but, uh, Can I just quickly comment, not to cut you off, but no. that you referred to Turner Grip as the blue grip. I mean, yeah. you know, as someone well versed in tennis, I know what Turner Grip is, but that's hilarious. That's yeah. amazing because well, that is a, what it is. You're like, oh, yeah, trade- the bluish purple one. Well, they have a trademark on it, and uh, it's why you don't really see a lot of blue grip from anybody else, at least not that's in that that composition where it's an absorbent grip. That's why you don't see a blue absorbent grip from any other brand. It's because they trademarked it, so – and others have tried it, but they get shut down on it. So it's uh, it's it's interesting. But to the uninitiated, I, most people wouldn't even know, pick up on that. But as you look around, you're like, oh, okay. And then they got the little red finishing tape up at the top. It's kind of their trademark. So, um, but yeah, I see a ton of it on the tour too. Um, good stuff. I mean, that's what you need. That's that's probably the best thing out there for an absorbent overgrip. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Big fan of that. And uh, this is a random tangent, but you know I'm always good for one or two of those. More impactful to your string tension, elevation or heat? Or temperature, I should say. Man, um, I, I don't know. That's a good question. That's probably a good question for a material scientist. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my experience with it is, um, to me, when it's real hot out, it feels like things are faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be more inclined to probably want to amp the tension up to raise it up to feel like I get a little more control. Um, altitude, I'd actually probably say the same thing. I had a little experience with this. I uh, did a play test years ago out in Colorado when Babolat was rolling out their like connected racket technology, and they had uh, they had a lot of players out there. And it's funny because they want to use all their own branded ball. Well, they don't make a high altitude ball. So here we are at you know out in boulder like 5400 feet altitude whatever it is and we're playing with standard sea level balls so the balls were just flying all over the place (laughs) so i think the adjustment for for playing at altitude is more using the appropriate ball they actually do make high altitude tennis balls that are they're they're lower pressure and it's supposed to make it play more consistently that way you're not having to string the racket at 80 pounds to keep it in the court that the ball is supposed to bounce a little more in tune with with being at high altitude but in that in my situation there i definitely felt more inclined like ah, oh, gosh i wish this racket was strung tighter i need more control so um but i think for high altitude your better way of controlling that's probably use the appropriate ball yeah again and if you are a material scientist out there listening to this podcast send in the answer we would love i would love to know uh true or false i apologize you know i think highly enough of you that i turn to you for that sort of answer sure no so, I, have a gut, uh, I have a gut feeling on it but i may be completely wrong because i i live at sea level so i i, I can't say i played at altitude a whole heck of a lot so um, I know yeah no it this hot, is it gets hot here so yeah no not even a joke when you said high altitude my ears popped 
just on instinct. <laughs> like they're just uh, nervous about it. But no, it, it it is an interesting thing to think about because you see hear those little things, and you don't think about things like frame size or stringing, you know, string tension when you're just playing recreationally. But I don't know. I guess my last question for you in terms of trends in string type, string tensions, racket frame sizes, have you seen trends emerged in the modern game? We talk about what the modern player is going to look like. What do you think is the type of racket string they're going to be using? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how this has evolved over the last, um, I mean, I don't know how recent of a time frame we're talking, but I, I would say in the last, the last 20 years, I mean, the frame sizes have definitely evolved to um, be more in kind of the 98 to 100 square inch frame size, even on the pro tour level. Um, and that evolved from obviously much smaller head sizes, you know, back in the 70s, 80s. Uh, Sampras, you know, used an 85 inch square inch pro staff forever um, to the point to where he was no longer competitive with it probably at the end of his career, although he, I guess he did win the U.S. Open and then retire. But um, he was getting blown off the court at times with some of the players, you know, fed using the 90 square inch for a long time, but even switching to a 97 a few years ago just to, to get a little more zip on the ball. And that's where I think now the modern game is, is definitely that 98 to 100 square inch frame. The, the slightly wider, you know, 22, 23 millimeter beam width rackets that are just stiffer, inherently more powerful. And that's almost necessitated everybody using polyester um, on the pro tour, at least. I mean, polyester is extremely prevalent on the pro tour when, you know, 20, 25 years ago, it really wasn't. Uh, it was just players stringing the rackets really tightly. Well, now the trend is, again, that larger head size, 98, 100 slightly wider beam, stiffer, more powerful frame, and then polyester string, which is quite stiff on its own merits. So actually the string tensions aren't necessarily as high. I mean, we, we'll, we'll string a fair number of rackets in the low to mid-50s, um, which is appropriate for rackets of that size and the string patterns that they have. So it's just interesting to see how the modern game has evolved. You've got these bigger, stronger players than ever using rackets that I would say largely are probably the most powerful in the history of the game. But then they temper that power with putting a very stiff string that kind of helps them manage the power. Um, so it's, it's, it's very interesting. I can't help but think there's some connection to uh, the injuries you'll see on tour. I mean, just the amount of power that these players generate and how hard they can swing at the ball. I mean, if you watch video of a match with Lendl and Vlander from the mid eighties. I mean, both those guys could just all day long watching Lendl was like watching a machine, but the pace that they hit the ball with compared to the pace that the players now and how hard they swing. I mean, it, it's a totally different game. I mean, it's just a totally different game and that's evolution in the product evolution in the string evolution of the players getting bigger and stronger. Um, but it's definitely, um, a trend that's here to stay. I don't see it ever going back to a traditionalist, you know, even the pro staffs that I'm looking at that are, that are brand new. I mean, even those are somewhat modern. These aren't, these aren't the pro staffs from the eighties. Um, you know, these are definitely updated for, uh, for the modern game. So, um, but those are definitely some of the trends that, that we've seen. Yeah. So everything you said, completely valid counterpoint, 
stick with the Prince Graphite, folks. It'll never let you down. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> other than other than Prince being incredibly difficult to find anymore, it's a, yeah, a brand but, that's seen its ups and downs. But yeah, the old the old Graphite was a traditionalist, and there's there's still some things out there. So I mean, if you like that traditional feel, there's certainly uh, models out there that serve that 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 customer that really places a premium on feel and control um but i think this more modern design the 98th of the 100 slightly wider beam that suits a wider spectrum of players um which is always a good thing because the more uh the easy the easier the player can take to the game and feel like they hit the sweet spot the more likely they are to stick with it um and the same can't be said with some of those old rackets, those old traditional rackets. The sweet spot was about the size of the ball, so <laughs> you, really, you really had to be pretty good. So, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, I suppose this is a real crossover. There's like the two, my two brands of just being, and again, I'm just going to make that joke anyways. A tennis person once told me, and I thought it was really funny. They're like, Alex, the Prince Graphite is the only conservative part about you. Um, and I was like, that's, I was like, that's pretty funny. I was like, that was a good joke. Um, so I figured I'd share that for our few po- political tennis fans out there. I'm sure there are a couple. Uh, but yeah, that was a good one. And again, for any product you could need, whether it be the newest rackets, strings, clothing, shoes, you can find it all on MidwestSports.com. Again, while you're there might as well use that promo code CR15 get yourself you know 15% off the free two-day shipping on all orders over $75 and of course that free can of Wilson extra duty tennis balls Dave it is always a pleasure to have you on the show and I know we'll we'll give a little bit of a tease we're not going to say what it is yet Dave we agreed beforehand but we can tease the listeners some pretty cool Midwest sports crack rackets crossover promotions coming as we near closer and closer to tennis's return yeah, there's some things uh, coming up in August. Um, we're, uh, you know, August is going to be a little different for us this year. You know, typically we're super busy with setting up a retail tent at the Western and Southern Open. Um, not going to be engaged with that this year as it moves to New York. We're going to be here in Cincinnati, but uh, just trying to bring some cool things uh, to everybody. Um, we've got some really cool giveaways coming on some new products that are. Uh, I think pretty exciting things that we don't get uh, new versions of these very often. I'll kind of leave it at that to whet your appetite. But uh, <laughs> the plan is to, at the beginning of, uh, of August, we're going to start kind of rolling these things out um, in conjunction with, uh, with the Cracked Rackets guys. And uh, I think some pretty cool stuff. You know, I'd say in the meantime, I always want to make sure that uh, your listeners out there know that anytime they're looking for guidance on things or um, have questions or, uh, looking for some direction on things, don't hesitate to reach out to Midwest Sports. Uh, we're happy to to assist in any way we can, email, phone. Um, in our retail space, we're, uh, we're open in COVID-19 and uh, all that good stuff to provide a safe uh, shopping experience if you're in the Cincinnati area. But uh, yeah, we're always happy to, uh, to help in any way we can to help you navigate um, the tennis landscape is there's 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 a lot of product out there but we're always happy to help you uh help you find the right thing for your yeah. game yeah i was devastated we were in cincinnati last weekend for a cracked rackets open everyone was asking where do we go for stringing because we were playing at saint x 
Um, and we, of course, were saying, oh, you go to the Midwest Sports Shop. We were sending everyone your way. And I was like, oh, I, I was like, I want to go check out the shop. But I, I never had time to leave the tournament desk because hell will freeze over before I leave Dalton or Westoff in charge of my tournament desk. Uh, but so I didn't get to stop by the store, but I wish I had. And again, you know, you are always welcome back on the podcast. And I look forward to having you uh, over these next couple of weeks. So, Dave, of course, uh, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, anytime. I'm uh, happy to do it. I always love to carve out a little time and uh, and talk tennis. So I'm, I'm glad to be here, and uh, let's do this again soon. And of course, hope your family is doing well, and stay safe, stay healthy. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Likewise. Take care. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Midwest Sports Dave Lemke. It is always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with Dave. And of course, we've got some really fun collaborations coming up with our friends at Midwest Sports. Some giveaways, as he mentioned, for all of you listeners uh, who are willing to participate. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Again, I can't say exactly what it is yet, folks. Uh, but let's just say it's certainly something you are going to add to your tennis equipment repertoire. And we will leave that there. Uh, but of course, again, a huge shout out to Dave for taking the time to chat with us. And, you know, we've had so many great conversations here across our uh, Cracked Rackets podcasts. Uh, If you want our daily ace of the day, you want to get in on the action with our friends at DraftKings. You can hear that Monday through Friday now on the Great Shot podcast moving forward. Again, we were excited to launch that back in February. Obviously, things had to take a pause, uh, but we're ready to rock and roll with that segment now. So here we go. We are going to continue to up our game. Uh, Let's all make some money in the process, right? Let's have a little fun as well. So be on the lookout for those. Of course, we're also rocking the mini break day in, day out. We had Mark Lucero on early in the week to talk about the world team tennis season. I've also had the chance to go on a couple of monologues myself, and that is always delightful with my thoughts on the happenings in the tennis world. WTA canceling the Asian swing portion of their calendar and, you know, continuing logistical questions for the U.S. Open, the world team tennis season, Uh, the Danielle Collins leaving the bubble. She gets dismissed for the rest of the year, all of that and more. You can hear all of those updates on our Great Shot podcast. Of course, on the Cracked Interviews podcast and our YouTube channel, still releasing those interviews we did with so many players across uh, the top of the ATP and WTA games when we were down in Miami and in Nicholasville for those two tennis exhibition events there. Uh, you know, just hit the subscribe button for all of our content. You don't want to miss those interviews. Poolside with Stevie J, JC Aragoni, and more. Uh, you know, Sam Query, Shelby Rogers, Jeannie Bouchard. So many great conversations there. So go hit that subscribe button. And by the way, shout out as always to the super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Of course, it's very easy. Again, we've had so many great conversations. Uh, They just sit in the queue uh, without the work those two put in. So shout out to them as always. And again, like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast. The Great Shot Podcast is this podcast. So the Mini Break Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, the Inside Out Podcast, our YouTube channel. If you have missed any of our content, of course, you can find all of it on our website, CrackedRackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. I'm at Great Shot Pod. And seriously, all of you who do take the time to like, rate, subscribe, review can't tell you how much that means to us. 
us, to our Patreon subscribers out there. You are so near and dear to our heart. We are so grateful for your continued support. So seriously, from on behalf of all of us at Cracked Rackets, thank you so much. And know that we really do have some cool stuff coming for you all. Keep sending us questions, by the way, for those Patreon-only mailbags. Really excited to do episode number two. Max Rothman going to be in Indianapolis for that episode. Uh, so be on the lookout for that as well. That's going to be really fun. Uh, but again, for the wonderful Midwest Sports Dave Limke, for our super producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, at DraftKings, and all of us here at both the Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. Hey, great shot. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>